Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, Pastor Pablo Martinez will be inspiring you with a message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. All right, all right. You may have a seat real quick. Um, Before I get going with this message tonight, I want to just share with you guys uh, an amazing, amazing testimony. We have a packed out house. If there's if there's any chairs next to you, uh, please wave your hand. Nope, no chairs next to you. No, <laughs> maybe back there somewhere. If no, we're gonna have to double seat it. But um, there's something amazing going on tonight. I know God is moving. He's been doing some incredible stuff in this place. Uh, we don't even have business cards, and this church is just growing, man. God is doing something crazy. But here's the thing: um, years, years ago, we started praying uh, for. Um, for someone to be a part of this church, we really started just asking God uh, for a new member, a specific person. Uh, this, this people have been praying and praying and praying and praying, and I uh, really believed God. They tried everything, every method to bring this person here. We dreamt of him. We believed him to be here. Uh, we prayed and prayed and prayed for him. And uh, I want to introduce you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is awesome, awesome, awesome. Man, sometimes, you know, we don't know the struggle of a family. We don't know what, what they go through. And uh, if you guys knew, if you only knew what they've gone through and what they've really wanting, they've been wanting baby Vic for a long, long, long time. And so I want to share with you guys today uh, a part of the scripture. It's actually related to this whole thing. How many of you guys actually did your devotionals this week? Raise your hand. Wow. That's a Bible reading church. Uh, that's incredible. That means that um, if you haven't yet, it's probably because you haven't been in church uh, here. But we're, what we do is we follow a devotional all together. Try to get a hold of that sheet of paper. Uh, we have some verses and we just really all just do our devotionals every day. We, we share them with each other. And it's been amazing, amazing, amazing. And so we're gonna, I'm going to be preaching and whoever gets to preach that day will preach on the devotional that lands on that day. Those specific verses. So on uh, Thursday, yesterday, the leaders preached about what chapter, what verse? First Peter, what? First Peter, what? 13. Great, great. And so today I'll be preaching about Isaiah chapter 6. And to be very honest with you, I was kind of like, why would I want to preach about this? Because it's one of those chapters that gets kind of confusing. Somehow, somewhere in the middle, you're like, uh-uh, I don't like it. Why can't I just preach about the four friends or the, you know, or the miracle of the blind guy or, you know, or like the, the guy with the... With a, you know, the lady that bleeds a lot. You know what I mean? Like, like why can't I just preach about, you know, about something else? But today was an incredible, incredible part. I'm going to read to you the part that really just, it's hard to even read, honestly. Um, like, really hard. And then uh, I'm going to share with you what God really put in my heart. Um, I do also want to introduce someone to you guys um, that we've been praying for. Eoni and I have been praying for this family for a long time. She doesn't know that. She's going to get weirded out right now. But Amy, it's your first time at CFF. Welcome home. We love you very much. Uh, and Riley also. Riley's right there. And, uh, and uh, really, uh, we've been praying for you. I don't even know it, but Eoni and I, uh, since the day we met you guys in the, the line where we're dropping off Elijah at school, uh, we, we believed you'd be here one day. And uh, we just, we're so excited that you're here. So welcome home. Welcome home. Um, 
I know there's other people that are here for the first time. Welcome home. Um, and I, if we took time to invite every one of you guys, it'd be kind of unfair. So I just unfair because we invited Amy, so that's unfair. Anyway, so, okay, let's go. Um, but you're important. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're kind. You're important. All right, cool, cool. So Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. I'm just going to read from verse 11. Then I said, Lord, how long? No, no, let's go a little bit further back. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Chapter 6, verse 8. If you don't know where that is, Isaiah chapter 6 is right after Isaiah chapter 5. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and whom will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And up to there, I was like, yeah, I could preach about this. And then he said, go and tell this people. And I was like, yeah, I could preach about this. And then it got weird. Keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive. Their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? Meaning, how long am I supposed to preach like this? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitants. Houses are without people and the land is utterly destroyed or desolate. The Lord has removed men far away and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it. And it will again be subject to burning like a terebinth or an oak. Whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed, it is a stump. Now close your eyes and let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us what's up. Dear God, I thank you so much because without you we are so lost. Especially when it comes down to your word. I ask you that you reveal your word to us, that you would speak to us, that you don't just let us acquire information tonight, God, but let us experience transformation in our lives, in our families, in our character, in our faith. God, thank you because I know that you're working, and I pray that you just transform us from the inside out tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, um, honestly, I'm super pumped still about baby Vic, but I'm going to do my very best to stay, on, stay focused. Um, but... Here, here's an incredible, incredible part. I want to show you the verse in another version in the message. And it says, and even if some should survive, say a tenth, the devastation will start up again. What God is saying is like, go ahead and preach repentance to these people. Preach to them something that they're not used to hearing. I don't know if the lights were dim or something. We could turn them all the way up, Emily. It would be great. Uh, you know, it says that, you know, this guy is pretty much telling God, like, what am I supposed to preach to these people? And he says, preach to them Repentance. Tell them that it's not all about prosperity, that it's not all about how good you're going to feel. Tell them that, that this is real, that when God, uh, when God is with you, you really are doing well. But if you're against God, he's not a soft, punk God that's just going to assume that everything's okay. He's a, a Lord. He's the God of the entire universe. And we sometimes treat him as trash, as garbage, as a secondhand, not even citizen. We treat him as though we can just play with him. And this is what the, I'm not saying it, by the way, this is what, what the word is saying. You know, th this is what God is telling the prophet. Go and teach them. And the prophet says, until when am I going to preach this kind of message? By the way, it is so easy to preach all about love and, and, and prosperity and you're going to be blessed by God. But how hard is it to tell somebody, hey, man, what you're doing is destroying your family and it's going to eventually hurt your children. You need to quit that attitude. See, that's not the kind of preacher that you want to hear because after all, the Bible says that we will, we, in the end days, we're going to have people that will just want to hear the preachers they want to hear, whatever tickles their ears. And so today, I, I don't want to necessarily 
uh, you know, offend anybody, but I, I do need to be real. We call it Formation Fridays for a reason, because Friday nights, it's usually when people deform their lives. Isn't it true? Most abortions begin Friday nights. Most addictions begin Friday nights. Can somebody please say amen? Most of the problems in our families, truth be told, at least many of the ones in my family began when I would start going out Friday nights. For some of you guys now, it starts Thursday, some of you even Wednesday. You know what I mean? But you look forward to that Friday night, and I just, I believe that God is doing something amazing in these Friday nights. It's called Formation Fridays, where in, instead of deforming your life, God is forming your life into his Christ-likeness, right? Into his image, amen? And his likeness. And so, into his, his, his likeness. And so, the truth is this, is that in the Lord, in God, there's always, always hope. There's always hope. No matter how messed up your life is, how much you have jacked up, God still wants to, to lift you up. He still wants to bless you. But the truth of the matter is, so long as you are not with God, you're against God. And this is not popular. And if you brought a friend today, like myself, probably my wife saying, Pablo, did you really have to preach this tonight? And the, and the answer is yes. Because unless we actually turn to God, we'll always be enemies of him. You cannot be half-hearted. It's like a marriage. You can't tell your wife, hey, I'll marry you 350 days out of the year. Just give me the other six for myself, for my exes, for my ladies, just to be free, you know. I just don't want to be bound. It's the same thing. We tell God, God, I want you Sundays. I want you Wednesdays. I just don't want you to flood my life. But see, with the Lord, it's not like that. He's, a, he's either the Lord of all or a liar, a lunatic, somebody who's not worth listening to. Because he, he did say he is Messiah. But let me break it down a little bit more. And I believe today, today God's going to bless you so much. All right. So let's go to that last verse. And I'm going to read it out of the message. The message. And I put it up there. And it says, and even if some should survive, say a tenth, the devastation will start up again. The country will look like pine and oak forest with every tree cut down. Every tree cut down. As this verse goes on, this chapter goes on, I'm thinking, man, this is a rough rough chapter to preach on. This is hard to preach on on Friday nights, especially when it's full of young people. Old people can take it a little more. But young people, you know what I mean? They could take it, but they don't like you. You know what I mean? And, and, and then I realized, man, this is an incredible part of the Bible. I'm so glad that it landed today. This is why. Every tree stump, a huge field of stumps, but there's a holy seed in those stumps. But there is a holy seed in those stumps. Stumps. I entitled today's message, Love the Stump. Say with me, love the stump. I've been in a place where I feel like I'm doing so good. Where I feel like I got something figured out. Something's going well. Maybe it's a relationship. In my case, at some point it was a business. It was killing it, doing great. Buying sports car. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I paid it cash. Things were great. And all of a sudden, something happens. Say with me, all of a sudden. And all of a sudden, right, something switches, something happens, something is said, something is felt. And it feels like, almost like heaven is conspiring against you. Or, or like God is silent for, for a while. It feels like when things are going so well, maybe it's your relationship with God. Maybe you started doing well, you started doing better. And all of a sudden, then something happens and it feels like you're like cut down to a stump. Anybody ever been there? Maybe, maybe it's a family thing. And, and in, in my, I was talking to my mom the other day. And she was telling me when my father passed away. My dad passed away when I was only two months old. I was still a baby. I don't remember. 
But my mom remembers it very clearly. She was 27 years old. No, 23. I don't know. She, she lies about her age a lot. But, uh, you know what I mean? But she was 20-something. something you know? and, and she was telling me that she felt like her whole life was just flipped upside down. Like she had nothing left. And as I was listening to my mom, I asked her, what happened? Where did things change? And I realized that it's the same thing that happened in this church at CFF. It's the same thing that happened in Colombia. It's the same thing that happened in Philippines. It's the same thing that happens with those people that decide that they're going to trust the Lord in the worst, darkest, most terrible time of their life. And God sees a stump. And inside that stump, there's a holy seed. And somehow, way, God loves to glorify himself. When no one else sees anything, when the world sees just a piece of stump barely picking out of the ground, the Lord sees an entire forest. The Lord sees alive, completely ready to just transform the entire nation. Amen? I don't know what stumps there are in your life, but I assume there are some ministerial stumps in here. If it's past your, fit, your head, don't worry about it. It's not about you. But for some of you, maybe you began a cell group. Maybe you started winning somebody. You started sharing Christ with somebody, but you got rejected or your people left. Or you started something and it didn't work out. And there's only a stump, like just a tiny little piece left. And I want to know, honestly, if there's anything left in there. And if there's even just a slight bit of vision, a little bit of desire, a little bit of faith, God's going to say, you know what? I love that holy seed. And out of that holy seed, I'll, be, I'll give birth to an incredible ministry. Somebody please say amen. There's a verse for that. If you go to that verse, Emily, it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. Come on. Do not, the Job chapter 8, it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings beginnings. And I love this version actually. Do you have it? Ready? Set. Hike. Oh, it's not? Not yet? Sorry. John chapter 8. No, no, I have it in the presentation that I gave you. You didn't download it? Sorry. Is that good? What are you saying? Don't do that. What? Keep going? Is that what you're saying, Ryan? All right, good. Ryan's engaged. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, so, <laughs> so uh, there's, there's the, uh, you know, it says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And then I love the second part. It's because the Bible says that the Lord loves, loves to see those tiny little things begin so small. And then all of a sudden they just get humongous. And they show up in the future like people say, well, where did that guy come from? I know you guys that, and this is, this is kind of me being, um, I don't know, a little bit too transparent perhaps. But I'm going to share with you a little part of one area of my life where I thought, man, this is just a stump. I was, I was graduating college, and I had a, uh, I know you guys, can you guys boo a little bit after I say the word Allison? So I was with Allison. Okay, so I was with this girl, right? And I thought I was going to marry that girl. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, boo, come on, keep going, boo. All right, good, good. Poor Allison, man, you don't even know what's going on. But, but you know, I thought it was great. You know, we were like besties, BFS, blah, blah, blah. We both had the same major. And, uh, and some things began to happen in that relationship where, honestly, can I be honest? I caught this vision. And it just cut my heart. And I knew I was going in a specific direction. Now, her family had a different idea for who she would marry. And it was rough on her, man. It was really rough. And something happened in that moment, you know, um, that it really started hurting our relationship. I'm not going to give you guys all the details and all the drama. There's enough stuff out there, you know. But what did happen is that we ended up completely breaking up. And when we broke up, I got to be very, very... <laughs> I got to be very honest with you guys, you know. I got to be very, very honest with you. By the way, she ended up marrying a pastor. She's somewhere like pastoring somewhere in, uh, in Orange County, I think, somewhere over there. Not as cool as this place, but, you know. Uh, I, I don't really know, actually. But, um, but, 
But she did. She did. But um, but I remember like you know there was a specific moment in my in my life in my heart where I was like I don't even want to start again. Like I'm over this. I don't even want to do this. Like I'm okay being like the Apostle Paul, celibate. You know what I mean? I'll just you know I'll just. I don't know, I'll get a puppy or something. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I was so tired. I was, like, over it. I was like, you know what, this is done. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm just not good at relationships. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm just not good at this whole thing, like, being, you know, together with some, some person. Maybe, you know, I'll just, I don't know, keep it online, and that's it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> now, you know, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and I was just so discouraged to the point to where, where it was just like, anytime I'd see a couple, I'd be like, Ugh. You know, you guys don't know what I'm talking about, right? You guys are always been whole and perfect. But, but in me, I was just like, oh, man, like, let's get a room, you know. And before I would think it, this time I would say it. And so I would be, like, trying to pick fights and all that. You know, I was like, ah, whatever. You know, or somebody would talk to me about it or, like, oh, you know, it's my girlfriend. I was like, man, that's stupid. You know, it's just like so much in me didn't want to hear about it. And I've realized this, that when you've been cut down, when, when it is, it's either the enemy or the world, where something cuts you down, you don't want to hear about it at all. Even if it's somebody else's victories, even if somebody else is growing, you no longer get excited about it. You can't get pumped about something that you are hurting about. And I wonder if there's areas like that in your life that God wants to re-inspire you, rekindle you, give you something new. But because there's a stump there and you think that's all there is, you can't even hear it anymore. Like somebody talks to you about God and you're like, Oh, yeah, church. I'm not talking about church, fool. I'm talking about God. But then there's the stump people that, that just think that's all there is. And yeah, I tried that. I bought the t-shirt, got the tape. You know, it's already done. And I'm not talking. I'm talking about like a spirit-filled life. And they immediately revert back to church. And that's all they know. That's their stump, church. Kind of like me in relationships. Oh, yeah, girls. Pfft. It's not like I was like saying, guys, yeah. But regardless, I was relationships. Pfft. Regardless, I was like, I don't like this anymore. I'm done with it. And I don't know if there's areas like that in you. Maybe people talk to you about, about you know, I don't know, relationships or friendships or your relationship with God. And I just encourage you today to remember there's a holy seed in there. And what's that holy seed about? I'll get to that. But Jensen Franklin said the following, and I will never forget it. God is not only the God of what you have, but he's the God of what you lost. Check this out. If you lost something, that means that God actually believes that you can still fulfill your purpose without that, which is no longer in your life. I'm going to repeat that. Sometimes you think it's the devil, it's the enemy trying to take something from you. Maybe it's God saying, maybe you don't need that. Maybe you no longer need that. And I'm not saying it was evil or it was bad, but maybe God is saying, I still have a plan for you. Maybe God is saying to you, you can still make it on your own. You can still grow. You can still develop. You can still bless thousands of people. Amen. Look, I had a pastor whom I dearly loved. You guys know that. I followed. I cared about him so much. And he goes and messes up. <gasps> yeah, he did. Just like a human being goes and does. And I saw this guy and I was so mad. You know what God spoke into my life? He said, I just gave you one example of what not to do. And I was like, got it. But you know, God began to bless me more and more in that area. Today we have covered Pastor Caesar, a pastor. We love him so much. Pastor Douglas who was here on Sunday. He keeps us accountable in our marriage. You know, does that make sense? We have something. And I just ask you guys this question. It's a simple question. What are you still, I don't want to sound mean, but what are you still whining, complaining, grabbing on to, crying about that's on the past? And I'm not saying you don't love what God did. I'm not even saying you don't honor what happened in the past because that's also foolish. But to say, God, I know that's the past, 
But Lord, I believe that if it's no longer in my life, it's not because, and I'm telling you this, it's not because you hate me or you don't love me or because you want the worst for me. But maybe because you still believe in me and you believe that I can do this. In my mom's case, when my father was no longer there, I believe it was God's endorsement with my mother and say, you can raise three children that love and serve God and that will be an honor to you and to many generations to come. Amen? Please give a shout of praise. Why not? Maybe you lost a job. And I'm not saying you lost a job because you were like lazy or because you were like a jerk or anything. like. That. I mean, you lost your job because something happened. You know, those things that, you know, economy changes or, or I don't know, you know, um, you decided to go to cell group that day and the boss said, oh, you're a Christian. I hate you. Get out of here. You know, uh, believe it or not, things like that have happened here. You know, uh, where, where all of us, like we had a ref. You guys remember that ref? That he literally told us he did not like us because we were Christian. And we're like, really, dog? Like, we still win every time. <laughs> no, anyway, but, but, you know, there are times, you guys, there are times where, where you, you will have to say, like, Lord, I believe that the past needs to stay there because you do have a future for me. Amen. So God is the God of what you have, the God of what you had, and the God, and this is key, the God of what's left. The God of that little bit that you still, that's still there, you know, the God of whatever's left. Listen to this. God is the God of whatever is left. When I heard that, it infused me with, with vision. It just began to pump my heart. Because I was going through a transition. We came from Nugent. As you guys know, that church is pumping. It's still doing amazing. We had lunch today with uh, Pastor Marisol and Chris. And they're doing amazing things. God is blessing that church. And I can tell you I am so happy to hear that. Because I don't have to say, oh, really? Oh, what the heck? Oh, okay, they're growing without me? Oh, man, that sucks. Oh, you mean that church is doing well without me? Oh, well, they must be doing something wrong. It must be demonic or something. It doesn't have to be. See, you can be joyous for the growth of someone else. You can enjoy someone else's blessing when you realize God has blessed you too. And God has a future for you. Please, God. Man, come on. When you know that God is the God of what's left. God is the God of whatever little you have. For some of you, you may be looking. I, re I repeat to you. You may be looking at what you don't have. Hey, pastor, well, I don't have that much faith. I don't have the faith that that person has. My faith doesn't move mountains. As a matter of fact, my faith seems like the mountain. Like I can't even move it. I can't, I can't you know, I, it's so hard. I can't even believe in anything. I can't believe in people. I can't believe in you. I don't even trust you when you're talking. I don't believe in God. You know, like, I don't believe in churches. I don't believe in organized religion. You know what I mean? Like I don't believe in Jack because I've been so hurt. Now, you may not say that, but you live that way. And so, so much of us is, is just no faith at all. But I love the answer that this, this father gives to Jesus when his son is so sick and he looks for the answer. And Jesus says, I can heal your son, but do you believe that I can heal your son? And this man says, Lord, I believe. And I think immediately he was convicted. And he's like, uh-uh, you're lying. He probably heard his wife in his head say, mm-mm-mm. Because that's what husbands hear. They hear their wife say, really? It was not 200. It was like 10 people. And I'm like, yes, God. Okay, got it. Right? And this is what God Immediately hears from this man's, man's mouth, he said, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. Whatever I have left, can you just increase it, God? Whatever faith, whatever little bit I have left of hope, can you just multiply it, please? Can you give to God the little bit of faith and say, Lord, my faith is no longer in me, in people, in my boss, in my job, in my career. My faith is in you. Amen. Can you say to God, God, my faith is in you. Amen. Give God a shout of praise if you believe that. 
the God of what is left, the God of what was, like I told you, sometimes God does need to take some things from you. I forgot to add something to that. Some things that we think we need, some things that we think we need are really the reason why you can't grow. That definitely is the case in some of your lives. Some things that are in your life, some people in your life, and I'm not a hater. I'm not trying to tell you get away from anyone who doesn't, you know, wear a little Jesus fish under, under their car. That's not the idea. That's not the idea at all. But to say, Lord, maybe there are some relationships that I don't need that are destroying my priorities they really are hurting my main relationship, which is you first, and then the family that you gave me, and the people that are near me, the people that are supposed to be in my future. It's like saying, you know, I got a best friend, my bestie. No, like telling Eoni, you know, Beth and I are best friends, but you got to understand that if we're going to get married, she's still going to be my bestie. You're going to be my second bestie. How much of you, how many of you guys would agree with me that I deserve to be slapped? Yes, right? Some of you guys are going through that. You're like, Hitting the guy right now, right? But it's to be able to say to God, God, you know what? I believe that whatever it was is not better than what is to come. Sometimes we hang on to the past because we think that's all there is left. That's all there is. But there's a holy seed. A holy seed in there. I want to bring you to the story of the cross because that's truly the one thing that changes it all. You have this glorious king. This amazing Lord. Lord of all. He was there from the beginning. In the beginning, God created you know, in the beginning, God made man to his likeness and, and to his image. And it doesn't say, I made him to my likeness, to our likeness and image. When he's talking about our likeness and image, he's talking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God moved and ho hovered over the waters. The Word of God, which is Jesus Christ, that eventually in John chapter 1, verse 1, became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's Jesus Christ. So he was in the beginning... The Father was also in the beginning. You have the Holy Trinity from Genesis, not from John. So this is Jesus, the Almighty God, creator of the universe. He's the one who sits in this high and lofty throne. And all of a sudden, he sees this broken humanity. No one else can go for us. No one else can really pay the price because every human being is flawed. Yes, even the guy you're dating. Every human being is broken. Every one of us is broken. And so God has to send his unbroken vessel, which is Jesus Christ, the one who had no debt of sin. He didn't owe, he wasn't broke in that area. He wasn't morally broke like some of us are. Amen? So he's the only one that can, with his beautiful and righteous wealth, can come and bless us and pay for our sins. And so at that moment, Jesus comes from heaven. He makes himself a man. And he comes and lives amongst us. He's still Lord. He's still king. The angels recognize him. The demons fear him. But as he goes through this life, he starts getting chopped down. His friends leave him. His own family starts talking against him. This guy's a lunatic. The religious people, the church, just start chopping him down little by little. He ends at the end of his 33 and a half years of age after healing thousands of people, teaching people the only way, the truth, and the life. Does that make sense? The one who actually blessed without asking for anything in return. He never asked for a tithe. He never asked for a, a one, a two, a three. He asked for nothing at all. I guess I lie. He asked for the entire life. Eventually, this man gets chopped down to nothing. He dies naked, poor. And when I say poor, I don't mean like he couldn't pay his Verizon bill. I mean he was broke. He had nothing and no one around him. His mother was weeping in front of him because no one else would listen. These ladies and his 12, 
His main man, his best man, were not even around. Some were from far away. One, close enough to hear him. Listen to what I'm telling you. Jesus was cut down. His life was a stump. He became literally nothing. The Bible says that he made himself poor. And this is the most incredible part of this beautiful story called the scripture of the Bible. That the Lord had everything. This incredible tree of life. And all of a sudden he gets chopped down to nothing. And this is my story of redemption. If you want to take it, it's also yours. When Jesus gets chopped down, he's buried, dead, literally goes to Sheol, which means hell. Breaks the doors out, comes out victorious. After three days, that stump became the tree that has given us eternal life. Somebody give Jesus a round of praise. That tiny little stump, the guy, that body that was torn apart, spat on, kicked around like a soccer ball. That body of Christ eventually, listen, man, brought us so much blessing. His blood, because of his blood, we now have freedom from sin. Does that make sense? Freedom from all the consequence of it all. God can truly, truly deliver us. But if people were to look at Jesus on that first day and they would have said, that guy is your deliverer, that's your king, that's your God. Is that really who you serve? Can you see where the disciples walked away? Here's what I love about my God. That when he sees a stump, he sees the holy seed in it. He sees the spirit of God still at work. If you're here today, can I pose a question to you? Why are you here? Really, why are you here? Some of you guys are too cool for church, I understand. But why are you here? Some of you guys are just too fresh for God. Why are you here? You're so busy, I get it. Friday nights is your nights. You own it. Why are you here? Some of us are just too evil for church. Oh, bro, if I go to church, I'd burn, man. I'd just burn right through the wall. I'd burn. You know what I'm saying? Some of you guys are too holy for this kind of service. Oh, pastor wears jeans? Uh-uh. You know, like, why are you here? What is the point? The spirit of God. The holy seed in you. You think it's your girl that brought you, your friend. Someone brought you. Nah, it's God telling you, I still have a holy seed in you. And although the world has told you, you're just reduced to impulse, to desire, to whatever you can get that day. To whatever love you can beg for and someone throws a bone at you. That's, that's what you're reduced to. God says, no, man, you have an incredible purpose. Your life has an incredible, incredible purpose. Who you are, who, you, who I made you to be, according to the scriptures, there's a plan and a purpose. That holy seed is not meant to just stay a seed. Last Friday we talked about people don't follow your seedness, they follow your fruitfulness. Right? People don't follow just your abilities and your strengths and how much, how much potential you have. People follow whatever comes out of that. Right? People are not going to say, wow, you have so much potential. Usually people say, oh, so much potential. You know what I'm saying or no? How frustrating is it to hear, oh, wow, you have so much potential. Over and over. So like, I never heard it, Pastor. <laughs> it's amazing. However, when God begins to develop the fruit, what if I shared with you and I told you that you cannot stay a stump, not only because God has so much for you, but because God has so much for the people around you that desperately need your fruit. Desperately need your fruit. We live fruitless lives because we don't realize that there are hungry people around us. Your fruit of love, your fruit of patience, your fruit of kindness. We become 
fruitless trees. Bear with me for just a second. I know you guys are hungry. Just watch for a second. So long as you live for yourself, you will live a powerless life. Women, get rid of the guy. Get rid of the girl if they live for themselves. They can never satisfy you. That I promise you. When a person is about them and themselves, that's all they have room for. That's all they'll ever do. Jesus Christ said, if you really want life, you have to lose your life. You have to get rid of whatever you think you are, whatever you think you have, in order to truly gain it. That I know because I live with a woman that is very selfless and it's so easy to serve her. You know how hard it would be? I'm telling you, man, you know how hard it would be to serve a selfish, self-centered, all-about-me princess? It'd be really hard. As hot as she is, it'd be hard. To me, it'd be easier. Yeah, maybe. But it is really hard to live with someone who's self-centered. It is really hard to have a, a, a person who tells you they're leading you in the faith and they're all about them. It's really hard to love someone and care for someone when all they care about is their own growth. In this church, for the longest time, we focused on making disciples. No more. We're going to make disciples who make disciples. We're going to make leaders who make leaders. Leaders of leaders. Because it's not only about us, is it? Sometimes churches tell you it's about you. If you have Jesus, everything will be okay. I'm sorry to tell you, some people with Jesus suffered a lot. Some people without Jesus suffer a lot too. It's really not just about you. Jesus didn't come so that you would stop cussing. So you have a better life. I'm sorry to tell you, that's not Jesus. That's Tony Robbins. Just kidding. <laughs> he's awesome. But he's, he's really motivational. But what I do need, man, it's much more than that, man. Jesus came that you would have everlasting life. You know what everlasting life is? It's a true investment. Life into someone's life who would last forever. If you invest into something that is going to just die and go away in this as soon as you end, by the way, you don't know when that is, you're going to lose it all. And so let me wrap this whole thing pretty simple because Georgie's back here and he's going to help me out. When I look at lives like George's life or Alba and Frank, George and Janet, their marriage, when they came to this church, they were a stump of a marriage. A stump of a marriage. When they would look at each other, they were like, it's over. They had the divorce papers pretty much signed. I don't know if they had the manila envelope already. But they didn't want anything anymore. I don't know where Gianni and Nani were going, but it was rough. When Frank and Alba came to this ministry, though they were leaders somewhere at church, Alba didn't even believe in it. By the way, when Frank and Alba came here, they didn't have a kid. Now they have a kid. <laughs> anyway, it's awesome. But, but I don't know what condition you came through through these doors. But I love watching trees that at some point were stumps. I love the stumps. I love, I absolutely love believing in the work of God. That no matter how bad, how jacked up, how lowly you've fallen. I think God loves that. I don't mean that he loves to see you fall. I think he loves to lift you up. It's not that he's like, yeah, yeah, watch him. He's like, watch this. Have you ever seen that? Like, you know, I don't know, it, it, those of you that have kids... Elijah does this all the time and I absolutely love it. He knows I'm talking about him, maybe. He'll do something and he's like, watch, dad, watch. And I run over there and he shows me and it's like the most anticlimactic, he doesn't know that word, anticlimactic moment because like, wow. But I as a father, I'm like amazed at everything my boy does, everything my boy does. And I believe that God is looking at you right now like that. You don't think you're growing. You don't think you're doing well. Some of you guys are like, Pastor, I've been trying. 
But I don't have fruit yet. You know, my branches are not out. I'm not bringing cover to anyone. I feel like I'm burning out in this heat. But anything, any movement, the Lord is like, yeah. Wow. And we don't feel like that, right? Because sometimes we feel like just there's a, just, just a stump of faith. Can I tell you this? Whatever you have left, give it to God. I mean, whatever, whatever you have, if you have any praise left in you, just praise God with it. If you have any joy in you, just say, God is your joy. Just take my joy. Multiply it. Am I making sense? God, if, if I still have any hope at all, I'm going to put it in you. Just on you. I'm going to put my hope in you, not in someone else. I'm not going to wait for that check to come. I'm waiting for you to arrive tonight in my room and just speak to my life. Amen? Instead of waiting for someone to come and have pity on you, maybe God wants you to be the source of mercy and love and kindness to somebody else. If today you recognize that there's areas in your life that have been chopped down. I'm going to invite you to surrender your life to God. And to quit, get, quit giving the enemy credit for the things you've lost. Instead to tell God, God, I believe in your plan for my life. I sometimes don't understand why I don't have what I used to have. Or I don't have what others have. Close your eyes for a second, please, if you don't mind. It's not about religion. It's about you not getting distracted or looking at somebody else that may feel like you're looking at them. It's called introspection. Just look inside your life and ask yourself, is there any area of my life that I've lost hope for? Some men in this room have lost hope in a true family. See, I grew up without a dad. And to be honest with you, when my mom remarried to my stepdad, you don't know this, but I wanted to take the guy out at some point. So it wasn't the best relationship. And so I thought, God, how am I supposed to be a father? How am I supposed to be a husband if I've never seen one? All I've seen is negative examples. My friend's parents were always fighting. One of them I remember shot. I heard a shot. We were, about, we were sleeping on their ho in his house and having a sleepover. And my friend just started crying because the father shot the gun. The mother was downstairs. They were fighting. And all we heard was silence for the next God knows how long. That's what the model was. I don't know what areas of your life have been decimated to a stump. Maybe you began a relationship with someone and it was going well. But all of a sudden it began to be chopped down by disrespect of jealousy, lack of trust. And maybe God wants to say to you today... Have you come to me with what's left? I'm not telling you you need to break up. Or I'm not telling you you need to stay together. I'm telling you, have you given it to God? Or do you still think you could be fruitful without being planted in him? Can you still be fruitful if you're not rooted in Christ? And if you are, what kind of fruit will you give? I've seen that fruit many, many times. And I can tell you, it blesses no one. Can you say, God, I'll give you whatever's left in my life, in my relationships. My broke finances, God. Would you help me to be a good steward? Help me, God. Bless it. Take it, God. God, take, take my vision. If anyone in here, God, has lost hope and dreams and vision, God, take the dream that they have. Maybe they've grown tired and God, take it. And just multiply it, God. Grow it, God. Whatever's left, we put it in your hands tonight, God. We put it in your hands, God.
We put whatever's left in us. Some of you here, your family's hurting big time. Maybe you live in a hell and you say, you preach to me, God. Oh, man. Some of you come here and you come from hell. Literally, your house is like a living hell. They're screaming. They're shouting. There's division. And you say, I cannot wait to leave the house. Yet God's been saying to you, I put you there for a reason. You're the stump of the house. You're the stump of the house. You're the hope of that home. If you grow, if you change, everything will change. Your fruit will feed the hungry in your house. Maybe you're the stump. The reason God still has you there is because there's a seed of holiness in there. There's a holy seed in there. A seed set apart for his purpose. Maybe in your school, there's a stump there, and that is you. It doesn't feel like you're much right now, but I promise you, if you let God take that seed, it'll bless the multitudes. It'll do something crazy. I was talking to the other to this guy named Brian Barcelona. Through his tiny little stump of life, a guy who was just, you know, wanting to do something in the campuses. Thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of kids have known and heard the gospel through this guy's life. Just through Jesus' clubs. I don't know what it is that you are, your, your life has a stump in. Man, I feel like telling you, for some of you, you're having a hard time, a really hard time with an addiction. Maybe nobody knows, maybe a few people know. And you're suffering because of that addiction. And you know that brings you down, man, to a stump. It all looks good on the outside, but you're struggling with that addiction. At night, smacks you around, leaves you on the ground with nothing. Maybe it's you who suffers from an addiction of a family member. And you feel like that's an area, a dark area of your life that nothing seems to be changing and there's no fruit. Well, I got to tell you this, that there's so much hope for you. That there's so much life left in there. That God will... He will, listen, if you deposit it, if you put that seed, if you separate it, if you, if you set it apart for God, he will do something amazing with it. He will see, man, you will see your family saved. You will see transformation in your life. Your chains will be broken. You will have a new opportunity in Christ. But this is the time to surrender whatever's left to God. Will you do me a huge favor? Would you please stand up if you're not yet standing? All of you stand for just a second. Sometimes all you have left is obedience. Sometimes all you have left is obedience. And I tell you, that's more than enough for God to do something incredible. In Job 13, 15 says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Another version says, even heaven can't destroy my confidence in heaven. Man. All you have left sometimes is just your obedience to God. This is the time where you say, God, I want you. I want to learn to obey you, God. I need you more than ever before. Would you help me, Lord? Help me to obey you. If you have been hurt, if you've been struggling, Psalms 127, 5, 6 says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. God, I pray for those people that have been hurting in an area of their lives, that they surrender it to you today. God, I pray that they would be lifted up, that their lives would be transformed so that they could also go and do the same with other people. God, I thank you because I know that there are many guys and women that can say here today, the Lord has raised me from a stump. And now I can also be a blessing. But there are those others in this room that say, man, there's so much 
that I'm having a hard time with. God, I want you to raise me up. I want to be a blessing. Lord, I want to be a fruit-bearing tree. I want to be fruitful, God. I want to multiply. I don't want to stay a stump forever. But maybe you're that way right now because you haven't yet surrendered everything to God. Can I be real with you? You will always remain that way if you're not planted in Jesus. So set your life in Christ. This is not a marketing scheme. This is not a get-rich-quick thing. This is a give your life to God, and he will give you his. It's a simple trade. It's a beautiful trade. Let God be the leader. Let God be the judge. For men need to break pride tonight. Break your pride before it breaks you on the rest of your life. Break your ego right now before your life gets smashed in it and those that love you along with it. This is the night where you say, God, change my life. Change me, God, from the inside out. I've lost so much, but I ask you, God, to give me the strength to leave it in the past. God, I've lost so much that I love and that I cared for, and I thought that was my hope. But, God, I believe again that you are my hope. I believe again, God, that my future is in you. God, I believe that you're the God of what's gone. You're the God of what's left. And you're the God, the God of what is to come. Dear God, I believe that you're still the Lord of my life. If you want to give Jesus your life, I'm going to ask you to do something a little different tonight. And that you would just simply put your hand over your heart. And tell him, Jesus, I give you my life and I give you my heart. I give you all that I am. Be sincere with him and just tell him, Jesus, take the rest of my life. Take me. Would you change me? Make me the person that you want me to be. Tell him, God, forgive my sins. Forgive my pride, my ego. I love you, Jesus. I want to know you more and I want to serve you the rest of my life. Forgive me, God, if I thought you were about a religion. But I can see now that you love me. Tell him, God, I ask you. No, I beg you to take my sin away. Jesus, you died at the cross. And you were reduced to nothing. For my sake. But I believe that you resurrected and you paid the price for me. Thank you for eternal life. I received the gift. I received the gift of salvation. In your name I pray. Now listen.